Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Thriving, Part 6, Goodness and Joy, recorded Sunday, July 11th, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. We're in this series called uh, Thriving, as Laura's already set up for us, and we're trying to throw a, a floodlight on the goodness of God. And we're doing so by looking at something that Paul wrote about what God wants to do within us and through us and because of us. And it's called the fruit of the Spirit. And you've been reading this along with me for the last few weeks. So I'm going to invite you again to read this passage with me. It's Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. So if you join me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And uh, that's a, there's a, it's, a, it's a famous passage. And yet maybe one of the most difficult to understand in the scripture. How does God do this in us, through us, give us this fruit that, that can change our lives and change our world? There's a famous quote by St. Francis of Assisi, a 12th century theologian. He said, preach the gospel at all times, use words when necessary. That's pretty good for an old monk. I like that. Because really thriving churches, thriving Christians, we're more than just words. We, you know, we're people who act on what we believe. That's what he's tra- talking about. That, that God's joy should be working its way through us so that it can be transforming not just us, but the world around us. And by the way, as we've talked about these fruits of the Spirit, they're all linked together, every one of them. It, it began, if you remember, by us talking about how love is the core of all the fruit. But then all of these other ones, you know, for instance, how can you find patience unless you're at peace with yourself? How can you be joyful unless you're hopeful and unless you're kind and good? I mean, you can't be joyful if you're just selfish and, and focused on yourself. So they all go together, and, and there's no doubt that joy is linked to kindness, as we talked about last week, and goodness. Now, I want to talk to you more specifically about goodness today, but again, bring them all together. There are four simple principles about goodness that I want to share with you today. Very simple, at the same time, crucial to living a life that's thriving in the power of God. Here's the first thing, first principle. Goodness is a boomerang. When goodness goes around, it comes around. I think these are pretty obvious. Proverbs eleven seventeen puts it this way. Your own soul is nourished when you are kind. It is destroyed when you're cruel. And isn't that true? I mean, that goodness boomerangs back at you, but so does selfishness. I mean, when you're being petty, when you're being harsh and demanding and unforgiving and, you know, and, and, and cruel. I mean, it, it just, there's something that shrivels up inside of you when you're living your life that way. But on the other hand, when you're being kind and generous and hopeful and helpful and you're experiencing the kind of peace and patience that sometimes comes around if we're attuned to it, it builds you up, it helps other people, it makes you feel better, it makes you feel filled, nourished, at peace. In fact, I would go this far. I would say that it makes you feel godly. 
And that's not surprising because God is good. And he created us in his good image. And when we are feeling good and experiencing good, we are being most like God. There's something that happens inside of you when you do good. You feel it. It, it makes you different. It makes you godly. Ephesians chapter 2.10 puts it this way. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We're created for this, which God prepared us in advance to do. I mean, he, pre- he created you to do good works. He's prepared you for that. And it feels good when we do good. The Bible's full of boomerang principles. I mean, for instance, it says in Proverbs 11.25, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You, you see the boomerang in that. When you're doing generous things and good things for others, it's going to come back at you. Jesus says this on the Sermon on the Mount, give and it will be given to you. That's a boomerang principle, the effect of generosity in your life. Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. Again, it's a boomerang. It's coming back at you. You want to be blessed? Be a generous person. The more generous you are, then he's going to be able to bless you more with that. Now, selfishness, again, it does the same thing. It boomerangs certain unpleasant results in your life that, that, that brings some hardship and heartache on you that you really you didn't need to have, except that you're being selfish. So the first principle is this. It boomerangs. What comes around goes around, either whether it's cruelty or goodness. Here's the second principle. Opportunities are everywhere. So when you're, you know, when they're before you, do something about it. You know, when you have an opportunity, take advantage of it. Here's how Proverbs 3 talks about it. I'm going to stick in this passage for a few minutes. Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those who, to whom it's due. When it's in your power to do it, do it. So in other words, opportunities to do good are all around us. That being said, it's not always easy to determine what those opportunities are and whether or not I should really respond. What I mean is we have to use discernment. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in our life to determine, to discern what what really is in my wheelhouse to do something about and what really I should leave alone because those things exist too. Again, let me take you back to Proverbs 3.27. Let's read through this and let me make some comments. Do not withhold good from those to whom it's due. Did you see that? When it is in your power to act. And then he says, do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow, I'll give it to you when you already have it, and you can do it then. So there's a lot packed there. First of all, we can, we should, we need to do good when we have the opportunity, to whom it's due, when, it, when it's within our power. Now, I think I need to say something to those of you who have a huge, over-the-top, bleeding heart who just everybody is your project. Now, first of all, when you have that kind of heart, that's directly from God. God is putting in you this desire to love people. So never despair that, never. And, and, and I will say this, you know, when you risk opening your hand to someone, you risk getting it slapped too. And that happens plenty of the times. But I also want to say this, you can't fix everybody. And especially those of you who are really over the top with this. It's illogical to beat yourself up because you couldn't fix everyone's brokenness. And, and if you're living your life on a guilt trip because 
because you can't fix it all, that's kind of on you. And that's not what God intends for this. You can't fix everyone else's broken lives. And, uh, and you probably put yourself out there a lot. And maybe you've been burned a little bit too. See, oftentimes, you are not to be the solution. You're not the person who's supposed to step in. Because it wasn't, it might have been an opportunity, but the, the thing is, it, it, how did he put it? He said, when you have the power to do it. Maybe you didn't have the power. See what I'm saying? See, oftentimes, you need not to be the solution. Jesus put it this way with his disciples. He was on the road to the cross. There was a woman who wanted to anoint him with oil. And, and you, you know, if you and I, that's a very, you know, very strange concept. But it, for her, it was an act of worship. So she took this very expensive perfume, and she poured it on his feet, and she wiped his, her, his feet with her hair and all kinds of stuff like that. And his disciples, they didn't get it either. As a matter of fact, one of them, the one who would ultimately betray him unto death, Judas, he was indignant about the whole thing. And he got the other disciples stirred up around it. He said, look, we could have sold that. It's worth a year's wages. We could have fed the poor with it. Now help me with this. Did Jesus ever feed the poor? Absolutely. He was all about the poor and ministering to the poor. But he fired back at them in this case. He said, the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. And then he said, this was an act of worship. She poured this perfume on me to prepare me for my burial. Translated, before you do good for others, don't forget where the source of goodness lies. It's with Jesus. We worship him. And it has to start with worshiping Jesus. And by the way, you will always have opportunities to minister to people in need. You will have that blessing in droves. Do good to the one before you to whom it's due when it is in your power. Now look, I am certainly not the poster boy for do-gooders. I've been jaded over, the, over my life. I've confessed this to you many times, how I've been burned enough times that I get pretty skeptical. And, and I oftentimes, and this is a confession to you, I lead with skepticism, and that's not good. Because I don't think that's how God wants my heart to be. And so I'm working on that. That's becoming something I'm working on. On the other hand, I think that there are opportunities before us, and sometimes they're the smallest things. Like you can just do things that are just right there before you, and you say, oh, I can do that. So I'll give you an example of that. I was working on this very message about a week and a half ago. And I was in my office, which is just across the hallway here. It was mid-afternoon. I came out, and uh, we had Quest going on in, in this room. And uh, if you know what Quest is, it's our weekday program. It's an awesome program. And uh, so there's kids everywhere. It's a lot of fun. And anyway, one of our employees was at the door. One of our student employees was at the door. I think she's a college-age person, actually. And, uh, and as I walked by, she was yawning. And so I had a little fun, hey, sleep last night? Uh, what's, you know, you need, need a little nap? I said, hey, there's a couch back there. You know, I was just teasing her. And anyway, uh, she didn't think it was funny either, by the way. But um, I said, you need a boost? I said, you want me to go get something? She, here's what she said. She said, I didn't have my morning coffee. I said, oh, you want me to go get you something from Story Coffee House? Oh, no, no, no. So then she got embarrassed, you know, so that, oh, I had to do it then. So I said, no, no, really, what do you want? So I... I tailed it over to Story. I had Ty make up one of his specialties and brought it back to her. And it kind of just changed the whole tone of, 
of my day, I'm going to be honest, because I was kind of in this sermon writing rut, it happens, I think it maybe changed the tone of her day. And it's just a little thing. I mean, someone in my path who I could do good for, it gave me a boost and it provided her with a boost. Granted, it was an artificial caffeinated boost, but it gave her a boost, okay? So doing good, it can be a little inconveniencing at times and it might cost you a little something or maybe something, I don't know, a lot. But God doesn't empower you to keep, your, keep you in your comfort zone. God empowers you to put you in his compassion zone. So keep your eyes open. Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, 9, so he wrote this about the fruit of the Spirit, then he said this, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I mean, that's what it means to thrive, friend. It means we thrive in joy when we're on this path of having our eyes open, understanding that goodness has a boomerang effect, and that we should take the opportunities when they're right before us to act on those things. Here's the third principle. As long as you are all about you, you will never be happy. Never. Because here's a fact. Most people are all about you. All about themselves. And you think, because you've bought into this, most of you understand what I'm talking about, even though you fight against it all the time, we believe that we have to find our own happiness. We have to make it. But Jesus says, no, that's not the way it really works. And if you get, grasp this, you understand it. Real joy comes from serving other people. I mean, he showed us this in his life. He shows us that you will never consume, compete, or climb your way to happiness. But you can serve your way to happiness. I was, you know, as I was researching this sermon, I, I started looking at some of the studies done on happiness. And believe me, there's a million of them. And the reason is because people have been looking for happiness all their lives and really humankind for all of humankind's life. And so there's all kinds of research and study that you can go to. The University of Chicago actually has done more on this than probably anyone else for whatever reason. And so they, they've determined some things. For instance, they have determined that there are certain professions that bring the most happiness. And you're not going to be surprised by this when I say it. They are the ones where people help people. And really it has nothing to do with income. Uh, as long as people can pay their bills, if they're in a helping profession, they tend to be the most satisfied, happiest people in America. And as a matter of fact, basically as long as the person can meet their basic needs, even having an increase in income didn't really make that much difference in the happiness scale of their life. People who live beyond themselves experience less fatigue, less health issues, more emotional goodness, less distress. Research everywhere finds that teenagers who regularly serve in their church experience far less drug abuse, far less sexual misconduct, are far more emotionally and psychologically healthy than their peers. A study in the UK encourages parents, even if you have to force your teen to volunteer, do it. And I would add, do it with them. Because you need it too. Serving. You know, I've seen this play over and over again. You probably have too. I mean, 
just on Sundays here at Third City. I mean, the people that, that volunteer here, whether it's Sunday or Wednesday night programming or one of our missions programming, one of our programs, one of our outreach programs in the community, what I see is the people who are putting themselves out there are, are far happier people. They have more joy about our church. They have more joy about their own lives. Their, their families are, by and large, better off. I see it with the students who are, who are not just attending, but who are serving and who are giving back. I mean, I have friends who struggle with anxiety and depression, and they've taken on the mission of doing something good for others, and it makes them better, happier people. You just see it in them. Doing good is the antidote to selfishness, and all of us need to take the pill. So yes, as long as you're about you, you will never find true happiness. But let me say this. When it comes to being kind and doing good, it's never about you. Never. Doing good is about seeing God work through you and then bringing the praise back to God for what he's accomplished. And that's what brings joy because you see it in someone else. It boomerangs back at you. And so God puts before you these needs. You have a chance to do something about it. All the research that's ever been done on happiness and joy in the world has always said that it always leads back to Jesus, back to God who creates you with that demeanor. Here's the fourth principle. Selfless goodness leads to joy. It's just the opposite of what I just said. Doing good, it boomerangs back, brings joy. Now, people who are coming out of the worldliness of, of this culture and who are trying to figure out how to get happy and they come to church and they haven't been around church for a long time or maybe, maybe ever, they hear messages like this and they'll think, I just don't get it. How can emptying myself fill me with something better? How can emptying myself, sacrificing myself, bring satisfaction? But when you experience it, you know how it works. And I know on the surface, it really doesn't make sense pouring myself out, filling myself up. But I'm here to tell you, though it's not logical, it's real. And we, you know, we partner with a, an organization here at Third City called Missions of Hope International. Uh, MOHI is the acronym for that. And MOHI exists to bring hope to one of the most desperately hopeless environments on planet Earth, to the slums of Nairobi, Kenya. And so we're in partnership with MOHI. We're doing some things like we're sponsoring kids for all kinds of great purposes. We're building a school in a very difficult neighborhood called Kariobangi in Nairobi, Kenya. We're planting a church there to bring hope of the gospel there. And so, it, it, you know, what we're finding out is that as a church, this fills us up in new ways. And those of us who have had some personal connection with Mohi, it fills us up too. So several hundred of our families sponsor children, and it gives them the very basics of life. It gives them clothing and for the schooling that they're accomplishing. It gives them the educational opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise. And it helps their families with food and emotionally and spiritually. We're building the school. We're planning this church. So I want you to watch this. I want to talk to you a little bit more about how this fits with doing good. So watch this. 
America Mao, the Executive Director of Missions of Hope International. I'm really, really excited to tell you about what Missions of Hope is doing. Oh, I tell you, God has been so, so faithful. When we started, we had only 50 boys and girls aged 4 to 6. And over the last 17 years, God has tremendously blessed this ministry. And then now we have uh, 14,810 children and we are still counting. When we started this mission, our dream or our vision was to just be able to see lives being transformed. And we transform uh, their lives through education, through health programs, business development, services, and uh, spiritual outreach. When we go to a community, we identify children that can actually come to our hope centers. And after we start the hope center, these children give us an entry point to their families, to their communities. And God has just been blessing the communities we are working in, the people we are serving, and many, many lives have been transformed. And one of the things that has really been a great encouragement for me is when I see a child coming to a Hope Center, not even being able to write, sometimes not even being able to speak, not even being able to, to have the confidence to actually speak for themselves. But they come, they spend time with our loving teachers, our loving social workers, our loving cooks cook for them, our cleaners make sure the environment is clean and nice for them, and these children just start realizing how much value they are to God, and their families are able to see, wow, you mean this could become of our children. Besides the schools and the education programs that we have, the feeding programs we have for these kids, the way we are teaching them the Word of God, we were also able to start our business development services arm. We have the microfinance program. Today, over 5,000 clients are getting loans from Missions of Hope, being able to start businesses, being able to earn a living for their families. And besides that, we have the Skills Training Center that now we have started at Kariobangi. Currently, we have uh, sewing, we have uh, hairdressing and beauty, we also have uh, knitting, we have beadwork, and uh, we also have welding and carpentry. Also, recently just started the computer training and uh, that definitely will keep growing. Of course, there are many other things that are happening in business development. We have the water bottling plant. Whatever proceeds that we get out of selling this water, it actually comes back to supporting missions of hope and the programs that we have. And, and we have the gift shop in Pangani. We have uh, the agribusiness that is going on and it keeps expanding. Besides all that, we also have our health programs. We have dental clinics and medical clinics, and we want to keep expanding this work. We have the Chair Disability Program, and the program continues to grow. Recently, we started a pilot program on child survival. We want to make sure that the children that are born in our communities are healthy. Uh, we want to make sure they get the proper immunization. We want to make sure that they get good nutrition by us training their mothers on those kind of things so that they can be able to really take care of themselves and take care of their babies. And all this is actually towards ensuring that we have Christian community development in our communities. Spiritual development is very, very important. In fact, it is the core of this organization. And as we do all other work, as we educate, 
as we do skills training, as we do business development, our aim is actually to reach out to people with the love of Christ. We have to share what God has done and what he is able to do, and that is what will bring transformation uh, to people's lives. I am so, so excited about the future of this mission. And as we focus ahead, we have reason to dream big uh, because we can count on the people that God has brought along. And above all, we can count on God because of his great faithfulness. And we know that uh, he is with us all the way. So uh, it's, it's amazing to me what $38 a month can do to change a life. Just a little act of goodness that, to be honest, for me, that might be, you know, a few, a few drinks over at, uh, at Story Coffee during the week, and yet it transforms a life. A kid who now has the basics of life and has food and school and clothing, and we can do that from 6,000 miles away, but we can also do that right here, you know. And if you're, by the way, if you want to know more about Mission to Hope, you just go on our website, go to our missions tab, and it'll give you more information if you want to jump in and make a difference there. But who has God put right before you to make a difference? What Mary didn't tell you there, but we've heard her story here at Third City, is that it all started when a friend of hers invited her into the slums to see what that was all about because she grew up in rural Kenya, and she had a fairly basic, well, you know, a, a well developed home life. So she went to, to Nairobi for education and she went into the slums and then she met a family and this family just needed the very basic things. And so she started taking a bag of grocery to this family as often as she could. And from that came a vision to start a school. And from a one-room schoolhouse, now you see what's happened there. And, and I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with you when you start coming off yourself enough to step into kindness and goodness to others. But I think you know, if you've met Mary and Wallace, and you see it there a little bit, if you've met them in person, they're some of the happiest people on earth. Some of the most joyful people on earth. So you have your eyes open. Whose doorstep is God directing you to go to with a bag of groceries? Some of you have sponsored kids for CIY, and tomorrow they leave for CIY, the high school students, and they wouldn't be going except that you wanted to be good and do something good for someone. And I want to thank you for that. It'll make a big difference. For some of you, the Holy Spirit might be prompting you to do good by using your love and concern by volunteering in a way that your gifts would be needed in kids' ministry or hosting a neighborhood group or jumping on the care portal to help there or to getting into foster care and somehow making a difference there. Some of you, God's been very generous to you and you're just, quite frankly, you have a lot of resources. And, and maybe you just need to say, you know what, I got to start giving back. God didn't just make me rich to enrich me. He wants me to be good. See, that's how it works. Because friend, if it's all about you, you will never be happy. The opportunities are everywhere. What comes around goes around. Goodness boomerangs joy. And so, Lord, as we come to this moment of communion, what we understand from this moment is you wanted to place before us a, a reminder of love. This is actually called in many circles 
the love meal because it's emblematic, picturesque of the extreme amount of kindness and goodness and love that you showed us when you came into this world. You lived without sin. You poured yourself out, emptied yourself so that we could be filled with your grace and mercy. So, Lord, as we come to this moment in celebrating the Lord's Supper, may it be a time of celebration, but also a time of, of you know, uh, of, of, of discovery, of self-discovery, where we say, God, how am I doing? How am I doing in the kindness, goodness model of life? Am I representing you? Am I using the things you put in my hands to bless others? And as we celebrate today, Lord, may we ask the questions that make us most like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it's where it all starts. It starts with this good, good God who is so, so very good to you and me. And uh, it has to start there. And we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. If it's not coming from that source, it's not the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, that's what we're trying to ascertain in this series is how to live the power of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. I don't know why I've been on this St. Francis kick this week, but he had another good quote. He said, start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly you're doing the impossible. That's pretty good. Go do something good. I think you'll like how you feel about it. Let's get the ball rolling and see how good God is. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.